1: focused on helping organizations achieve sustainable improvement for themselves, others and the planet. Welcome to episode 64 of the Enterprise Excellence Podcast, the second of a two-part series with Dr. Morgan Jones. Morgan will be continuing the chat today on his new book, Why Bother? Why and how to assess your continuous improvement culture. What an important book. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to part one of this series, episode 63, before you go into this one. In the last episode, we covered KBIs and KPIs, why it's essential to measure behavioral rather than purely performance indicators, what does an assessment look like, because it can vary depending on where the organization is operating, and how to calibrate an assessment. Today, we deep dive into calibrating an assessment and the language that assessors can use to encourage interview responses. Morgan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Brad, and thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to talk about it. Morgan, you mentioned um, KBIs before that, you know, in your fifth chapter, or your fifth element of the book, you're really breaking it down to not KPIs, which are key performance indicators, but down to KBIs, key behavioral indicators. What is the, what is the difference and what, what are some examples of key well, behavioral indicators?
0: KBIs are really interesting. So the KPIs usually exist for a whole year, could be a couple of years, might be ongoing. If you're mining, it you might be. Volume of call, or it could be cost to provide a service, um, or whatever, and so that's a KPI. It's usually an outcome. Mm. Now a KPI may be something. Well, what we want to focus on is customer experience. Mm. And if you think of in in call centres, one of the classic examples is we use as a KPI is average handling time AHA. Mm. Most probably most Widely used KPI going. Mm. So, what that drives is a behavior because people know that if they have a lower average handling time, they get rewarded. So, if you've got the low handling time, so you get your customer off quick and then they have to ring back. Because what you should be saying, how do I resolve the customer's inquiry first time? Mm. So, the call might take twice as long, but rather than, you know, if I, I ring twice, if I'm going to ring Brad twice. You know, he might have a really low AHA, but I've had to ring him at least twice to solve my problem. Yeah. Whereas if Brad could solve my problem first time, that is the true value of being customer focused. Mm. So, so the KPI would be, would be slightly different. Is you know, it, it it may not be uh, time to finish call. It's, 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 it's and and can be challenging the KPI to say, well, how long did it take to Uh, and solve the customer's problem. Yeah. Uh, In the banking world, you know, in Australia, we have remote remote communities, whereas in in most retail banks, it's very, you know, very quick, quick. We want to get you on the phone, solve your problem, sign you up to a bank account and get you out again. We're in remote communities. They may only have one phone, So the average handling time, the phone call may be three hours. Because everybody will swap and they all have turns of making a phone call. Mm. So the average handling time is absolutely the wrong thing to do to measure. What we're measuring is, did we, did we sign up the, the customer? Do we meet their needs? Mm. Did we solve their problem? So it's actually looking at the, the, the behaviors and, you know, and getting people to say, we want to be customer focused, not about cost. This is about, did you solve the customer or client's issue first time? Did they get what they needed, mm. and then you say, How can I do it more efficiently? But it's about sometimes about building loyalty and relationships. And like that. So that's a, a classic KPI, and the ones quite often you have in the CI world is about savings cost savings. How much mm. have you saved? A month. How many projects have you implemented and saved? Mm. Right? Um, it might be got some how many small ideas have you got running right now? How long, how quickly can you complete them rather than actually, how many of the team completed within their own sphere of control? And are they managing them? So instead of taking six or eight weeks to complete a project, they may do smaller ones, but they own them and they implement and are the results delivered. More importantly, are the the teams feeling a difference from the the, the improvement? Mm. So that's the thing they really want to say is that the KPI is, has the improvement change the experience for the employee mm. rather yeah. than how quickly did you solve the problem Because yeah. it usually quite often is a, a fixing the symptom but the experience is, hasn't changed
1: yeah it sounds from the conversation it's really you know ultimately anything we measure needs to be strongly focused on that the customer and what the voice of that internal customer and external customer but it's even more powerful we can get down to the behavioral measure that I guess is something that that employee can control themselves and do themselves and you can see it. It's really, really good. Morgan, what does, what does an, an assessment look like? If, you, if, you're, you know, if you're taking this journey and you're building your behavioral and operating system as an organization and you, you're really thinking about it and you're developing your way and you're then going to measure and track the journey and help the coach you mm-hmm. know, plan, do, check, act, plan, do, check, act through a journey. What, what does an uh, assessment look like? And what do you write about in the book in relation to an assessment? Well, actually,
0: taking through the process. So, first of all, it depends on where the, the, where, wherever you're assessing, where they are on their journey. They're just starting mm. out, it's just a baseline. Mm. So, there's not criticizing, It's no right or wrong. One of the, the classic examples in a lot of assessment systems, they give an absolute number. You've got a score of 100 or a percentile, which can drive your wrong behavior. So, one of the things we implemented we at CBA, we have four categories you know, we have bronze, silver, gold, and platinum. Mm. So, what it is, and say, look, you know, we, we expect you for the next two years to be at, at bronze, you're just still learning. We didn't tell you that you know you had 50, 51 or 57, but because some people, you know, large organizations heavy will focus very much on the KPI of the number mm. again, which can drive wrong behavior and say, are you continuing to improve? We can give you, have they improved? So we just don't give them the hard number. it's used to calculate where they, they sit and she do the same. So they, they have scores that actually give different varying levels of, of um, award. Um, but that's the other thing is actually deciding what are graduations? You know, you know, Toyota had their three pillar system. So again, you know, how do you know, and you had a target to continue to improve. So where you are in the organization, you know, where they starting off, and it could t- take a couple of days to a week to do an assessment. So you plan what you like to observe, you interview people at various levels. You want to mostly important to understand what's happening at the front line, talking to the people who actually do the work and at various levels. Um, and you look at breadths and depths of, of uh, the organization. But you also want to observe because people will tell you what they want to hear. So what you need to say is, and I you want to I want to observe my team meeting. So an example, a supervisor may say, Yes, I empower my team to come up with ideas. Okay, great. I've heard that. First of all, you ask the, the front line, yeah, do you feel empowered? Does your, your supervisor encourage you to, to come up with your team meeting? Encourage you to come up with ideas? And they say, No. Okay, so people will tell you. So, one of the things is having triangulation of getting multiple sources of data. And then you've got to observe team meetings. Does the team the team leader or supervisor actually encourage people with ideas, or they just skirt off, oh, anybody ideas and move on? Or do they say, oh, come on, we must have something. So, that's encouraging and not letting the team just quickly whiz off onto other things. Mm. So, we actually look for multiple sources. When you look at, so you have pre read, so you look at their uh, employee engagement surveys. Uh, look at what their results are. What are the what are the projects that are uh, delivering in the last both the continuous improvements? You need to see some results. Show me you continue to improve. What have you done? What's changed? What's your what's your strategy? What's what have you planned to do this year? What have you actually delivered so far? What did you plan last year? So actually showing well, rather than just putting plans together, you actually follow through. Mm. So one of the elements is. First of all, you needed to do direct observations interviews. You do direct observations of team meetings, and sometimes, especially in the virtual world, you may video those. Uh, you look for other evidence. You look for the results and you quiz them. You say, well, okay, we looked in your, your results here or the CPS or whatever.
1: Help me understand
0: what's that look like. So you look, and then when they say, oh yes, and we, 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 you know, we have a great work environment, you go outside and there's rubbish on the floor and it's dirty and bulbs bones are gone, or is it real, clean? So you go, well, you hear what people say, but let me go and go and experience. So you go gamba or go see the purpose and say, what I'm looking for is what I've heard in conversations and observed. Is this real?
1: What a great episode. It is hard to believe that we are already heading into December, the last month of the year. We'll be taking a break from Christmas Day until the 10th of January, 2022. We hope that you and your family and friends have a wonderful Christmas, and we welcome you back in the new year. There are some absolutely cracking episodes that you can go back and listen to on the break. Feel free to email me your favorite, and we can have a chat about the best ones of the season. Remember that you can go to enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com backslash downloads to get hold of many resources that we and our guests have provided. It is becoming a useful library of tools and resources to help companies on an enterprise excellence journey. Please like, subscribe and share this podcast to help others gain insights and create a better future. Mm. Yeah, I can really see it, Sat, like you mentioned, that triangulation approach where you're looking to take it from the leader, the front line, from their the measures and performance, there, uh, and then even at the front line and observing meetings or observing work areas. Like you'd, you'd really get a powerful outcome doing that type of a assessment, wouldn't you? You're seeing it from all angles and you can really correlate it together.
0: and then you look for common things. So we talk about recommendations. What's that actually look like? So you calibrate and sort of say, well, look, we've all seen these sort of things. You can give it a big laundry list. We go, which are the ones that can make the biggest difference and help you the next step? If you focus on these two or three things in each area, whether it's about physically doing stuff or connecting with the customer and and, how she can type thing or uh, continuous improvement, you break it down and go, well, there's, there's some things you're doing really well, and that's the other element. It's getting people to focus on and keep doing what they're doing well. I'm mm. right? just always focused on, oh, yeah, okay, great, we, we did okay, but let's focus always on the stuff we need to fix. Mm. Keep doing what you're doing well and actually make sure you understand what you're doing well and why it's working. Yeah. Sometimes it will be people less.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. Morgan, How many when you look at an organization-wide, you know, developing an excellence journey like this, how, how many behaviours do you typically see that they're focused on at one time at a leadership, middle management and frontline team?
0: Well, that's, that's, a, that's a really good question. You know, sort of some organisations have 10. Yep. Some have gone up to 15. You know, sort of uh, they've taken the Shingo model uh, which, you know, principles and they made it more complicated. Other organisations have taken down to five, so four plus one. We just took it into that. There was actually five behaviours underlying all of that. What does that actually look like? Mm. What does continuous improvement? So we just broke it down and the behavioural framework, just mm-hmm. specifically on that. Yeah, wow. You know, um, and you know all aspects. So you go, oh, okay, because you got everybody, you got people who like to experience, have different ways of learning, and don't realise sometimes how they behave. That the intent is correct they want to do the right thing but how they come across can be um, not quite what they were hoping for mm. to drive
1: along the areas. yeah well so really it's about creating an organisation's own way and you know like you said it could be 5 it could be 10 it could be 15 but i guess it's it's their way but the the assessment approach whether you're talking 5 or 10 is it's not a crazy amount of behaviours you're looking for and you're trying to improve all the time is it it's quite a
0: focus. Um, one of the interesting things, you in uh, know, we can talk about, about Kevin and I are in, in, the, in the book, helping us out. I use The example I use with most people um, explaining this, it comes around um, when you say, say, if I said to you, Brad, why did you do that? That word, why, sends your amygdala into hijack. Mm. He takes you back to childhood. What have I done wrong? <gasps> and he, he sends you back. Even you might psychologically you know, physically you might show that, but it's what's happening inside, uh, you know, neurologically? Yeah. Now, if I turn around and said, "Change the word, the question," and said, "Brad, what did you consider when you made that decision?" i am mm. actually taking the neuroscience of how to do it, so this is really, really important. So audits and stuff, people feel defensive again and give you the wrong answer. You can't give me the wrong answer. So it's that subtle piece of how you ask the question. Can elicit such different responses, and you can, you know. So I quite often, you know, then chingles us and everything else. It's around people say, "Oh yeah, it was just a great chat," because they don't realise it's a conversation, and I'm extracting egg, a lot of nicety, lots of information on um, how they behave, what they perceive, why they do certain things, and you know, it's it's not manipulative, but it's just really it's just making it a safe environment for people to talk, not only yeah. what they do, but why they do it.
1: Mm. I can see into in a book on, you know, measuring and, and assessing and reviewing and tracking your excellence journey, how language, why you've brought that in there. You know, your language would be such a key key aspect. Well, you mentioned in the book also the element of how to calibrate and then also the a roadmap. Do you mind just explaining that reason for calibration? You know, you've got, you could just go out by yourself and just, to an assessment. Why is calibration important and what's that look like?
0: Well, it's an interesting one. So it's an expert, I might go out and assess. And I have my own personal biases. I'll see some things. There'll be my hot buttons. And I even though I'm a professional, I will see some stuff and I'll miss some stuff. Because you you, you know, so if I go on my own, you you can miss really important things or misinterpret stuff. Mm. Whereas if you have work in pairs, so quite often we recommend to do in pairs. Is you have two people go. Oh, I heard this. Oh, did you? I missed that one. You know. So you're trying, trying to get. you taking so much information in. There's stuff you can miss. Whereas between two of you, you tend to sort of pick it up, um, pick up stuff and say, "Oh, that's not what I was doing." But I heard this. And you go, ah, yes. So sometimes you'll have a selective memory, and so you might write notes. And that's the other part we talk about: calibrating, writing notes, what people said, and what was happening at that point in time. You know, if I was observing something and i go, this is what I saw, and say, that's not what I saw, I saw this. Mm-hmm. And you, you might have been looking totally different part of part of the room. i go, oh, okay. And it's about, okay, so we, we're getting different behaviours. So some of the things we can talk about then in calibrating, instead of being a consistent behavior you we've got a lot of variation in behaviours. So one of the recommendations is get some clarity and consistency what behaviours you really want. Yeah. Okay, so that's why the importance of calibrating, um, because it also because some organizations use them as as key um, maturity as measures for senior leaders. So you need a robust process that um, um, that can stand up to scrutiny, because some leaders don't like their scores. They don't like their results. And you have to say, oh, no, no. And here, rather than just being Brad's opinion or Morgan's opinion, here's the evidence. We have some structure. And it doesn't matter who Takes, takes the assessment. You get a consistent approach. So that's why the, this is an element. So it. it's it relies partly on the expertise of the assessor to assess the behaviours, but the framework will give you a consistent outcome. Mm. So just some some less experience will take longer. Than yeah. The so that's probably oh. the, the reason between the calibrating, um, you know, sort of aligning behaviours and yeah. uh, of the assessors.
1: Yeah, I can see that's a good approach where you've got two different eyes, two different ears, you know, four different ears listening in and observing and then calibrating between each other to give that rigour to the results. Yeah. Morgan, the the book, so with Why Bother, you've really got this good structure that people can read and learn from on how to engage sponsors at the top, how to define behaviours and really get down to what are those behaviours that we need it. The different levels of the organization. How to look at our systems and our operating systems that either impact positively or negatively and what do we need to do there? How to assess, breaking things down to KBIs and really being able to measure it, the key behavioral indicators, the use of language, tips and tricks on virtual, and then also how to calibrate and how to actually use that calibration technique in your assessing to really get that stronger results and more rigor to the whole system. Morgan, with, with it, I can see that a lot of organisations who are trying to take an excellence journey can gain a lot from this and grow from it. How, how can, Morgan, people reach out to you if they want to learn more? and How can they get hold of the book?
0: Well, that's great. The uh, book is on pre-order. So it's due out in September, I think September 24th. Nice. Uh, 2021. Uh, so you can pre-order it. Um, so the book, you know, I'm available on uh, LinkedIn. Um, so is the co- I'm a co authors so- of uh, Peter Hines is a professor, um, tried, uh, and Chris Butterworth, um, all three that you know, happened to have won Chinga awards for the publications and stuff. So I and, and you know, so you can actually reach out there. It's easy to, to buy the book. Uh, you can buy it hardback, softback, you know, um, or um, sort of ebook. So you can actually, it's quite easy to get hold of. To pre-order it, to be one of the first to get it, um, and then if you get any questions. It's designed for, the gives you, uh, it's like driving a car. Mm-hmm. I can give you a book on how to drive. And there's lots of stuff in there, but in the end, you just need to have a go. And sometimes, you know, when you, you learning to drive, you need to drive an instructor to help you. It could be dad. It could be a formal driving instructor. And it could be, let have a go. And you might ask for some expertise and people. You know, lots of people can help. I can help in, in you know, taking on that journey. eventually you just have to have a go it's about doing you can't you know you only
1: do so much by uh, reading a book to learn to drive yeah now Morgan I'll I'll definitely be getting a copy and pre-ordering and thank you so much mate and also Chris and Butterworth and Peter Hines for sharing knowledge and expertise in a book like this that will really help us understand how to truly lead a journey of enterprise excellence and I appreciate everything you do to help us create a better future
0: yeah, thank you. Right. There's one last thing I'd like to leave uh, with, is uh, around all the proceeds from the authors go to, uh, go to a charity in Australia, oh. which is called the Black Dog Institute, which oh, nice. um, supports uh, mental health. Yeah, you know, It's uh, like uh, separate mechanisms for people who are struggling in um, work and everything else. So, it's an opportunity to make a better world by not only providing knowledge and structure to help organisations do yeah, operations, but also makes a difference to um, people via the Black Dog Institute from, yeah. uh, from mental health.
1: That's awesome, Morgan. Yeah, many symbiotic win-wins there. Help your organisation and help, help a great cause at the same time. Morgan, thank you so much again. I really appreciate your knowledge and time. And thank you for creating such a wonderful book to help us all. Thank you. Cheers, Morgan. Bye for now. There was one major takeaway for me from this episode. An assessment program can gather evidence of improvements and keep the momentum going on an excellence journey. I know that a lot of companies go into a lean or continuous improvement, agile or Six Sigma journey. And I think that the stats are not good with how many fail or don't progress or drift back. Last I heard, it was around 70% failure rate. 70% of change journeys that don't go forward. That's enormous. What is the reason for that? Why do some companies spike up initially and get gains in a change journey and then fall back again? According to Dr. Morgan Jones and his co-authors, Chris Butterworth and Dr. Peter Hines, it comes down to an assessment program that can gather evidence about the improvements and overall growth of the journey. An assessment program can show that your efforts make a difference and are starting to embed rather than just waiting on the sidelines. An assessment program that monitors progress to ensure that you're continuously moving forward is a very powerful tool. Because sometimes when you're in the minutiae, the whirlwind of the day job, this can be lost. When you step back, review and then adapt as a team, it can really help you keep the journey progressing rather than drifting back. Morgan, thank you so much again. I really appreciate your knowledge and time. Thank you so much for helping us create a better future. Bye for now.